Welcome to The Trainer's Tribe, a podcast for group fitness business owners who want a reliable business that gives them the freedom and impact they desire. My name is Kyle Wood, and I'm joined by Dale Sidebottom. We're the first people to tell you that working harder or working longer is not necessary. We've both built successful boot camps and created profitable online businesses, which has given us the lifestyles that we love. How do you build a fitness business that's both profitable and that you love working on? That's why we created this podcast. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys, it's Kyle here. And uh, you might be wondering if you've been listening to this podcast for the last 10 weeks or so that it's been running, like where the catch is, like where's the bit that we're going to be like... Aha, we've been giving all, gotcha. free, all this free stuff and, and now we want, we want you to do this thing. Well, there is no catch. I mean, the reason we created the Trainers Tribe was because we're both really passionate about the industry that we work in. We'd love to see an industry that has more community, that trainers feel supported in, and that trainers are being successful in, you know, like, so that they're not just burning out. Because something like 90% of trainers quit in the first 12 months because it's, it's not like a normal job is it call where you like particularly for a teacher you go into a staff room and you've got other people around you whereas when you're running your business particularly outdoors if you're not at a gym or anything like that it's you by yourself uh-huh. you've got no mentors particularly and you're just stuck out there by yourself and it is hard mm-hmm. yeah so one of the ways we're doing that is through this podcast but another way which we are starting in november is through face-to-face training as well. So you can come and train with us and we'll, we'll dive into this stuff in more depth. So Dale, do you want to tell us a bit about yeah, so our the, first event? Our first event's in Melbourne and obviously we wanted to study Melbourne because that's where Kyle and myself are both from. But it's going to be a full day event. We're starting at 8.30 till 3 on Sunday the 6th of November. And basically what this day is going to be, it's we're going to give you skills, resources and ideas on how to plan and run really engaging sessions you know formulas that kyle has learned from running boot camp ideas online for six years as well as a really successful boot camp all right also ways that i've learned to run engaging lessons from my eight years as a pe teacher and all the training i did through my teaching and then also in the boot camp so together i think we've found like a really winning formula with amazing resources on particularly ways to engage clients. So mm-hmm. we're going to go step-by-step step through different activities. There'll probably be 30 different activities that we'll go through on the day. You'll get everything we do in a resource. There's brand new games. We've even made up a, a board game fitness <laughs> for everybody that comes. So it's just going to be a really engaging day. And also, it's going to give you the chance to network and build up those mm. groups that you just haven't the had. Support and that. You know, yeah. and mm-hmm. not only that Kyle and myself are here for you, but it's also your fellow trainers that you will meet on the day. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, guys. So if you want to find out more about that, uh, you can click the link that's in the show notes right now if you're looking at that, or you can head to the Trainers Tribe and up the top you'll see in the menu, you'll see a button saying workshops and you can put in your interest. We're just seeing who wants to come right now. So so we'd love for you to put your hand up and say that you'd be interested in coming. Cool. Welcome to episode 13, where today's episode we're doing a bit of like an FAQ. So we've had some questions come in over the last few months. We also asked in our Facebook group, the Trainers Tribe Inner Circle, which if you're not in that yet, by the way, you should 
go check that out. Go to transtribe.com and click on the button that says community and join us over there. We asked, what are your questions at the moment that you guys have? What are you guys struggling with? What do you need help with? Like, And we've gotten six questions, some which are like multi-parters <laughs> that we're just going to basically go through like one at a time and this whole episode will just be us answering each question. Mm, which I think is... Uh... Yeah, I'm excited for this because I know myself some of the issues I still struggle with. So I'm interested to hear your point of view. And it's also nice for me to hear that yeah, other trainers are in the same sort of situation. And I reckon a lot of other listeners will be able to relate back to these as well, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, should we kick straight into things? Let's get stuck in, mate. Okay. So our first question is from Tara Davies in Rye, Victoria. She says, I'm currently running a boot camp on the Mornington Peninsula. By the way, if you come to Victoria, a little travel tip, <laughs> you should go to the Mornington you Peninsula. You definitely go down to Rye, very nice spot. I <laughs> oh, mean, I haven't even gotten through one question yet. <laughs> okay, let me start again. I'm currently running a boot camp on the Mornington Peninsula and think I might be running too many classes for the number of clients I have. How many is too many? How many is not enough? Alrighty, so I'll uh, go first with this one and... I've had this issue myself. I don't think once you've started running classes that you should cancel them because if you've got only maybe three or four people that are really loyal, then you're going to sort of neglect the really sort of loyal clients you've got. So they might be looking at other ways to increase your clientele for those sessions. So you might add some sort of marketing or special advertising for those or you get people to bring a friend or anything like that. And then I suppose to go into the second part of that, how many is too many? In my case, 20 is my max for the sessions that I run. Some people may think that's too many, but for me personally, I don't like it when it gets that high. I'd much prefer it around 12 to 14. I think that's a much more manageable number. The hard thing is, I suppose, Tara, when you're running sessions where people can come to multiple classes is that you don't have guaranteed numbers. So Mm. if you wanted to have guaranteed numbers, then maybe it might be worth putting in a system where people sign up for only certain sessions. Mm -hmm. And that way it'll help with your planning because you'll know exact numbers. So I guess there's a couple of different things there. But I suppose my big thing is that your loyal clients will keep coming. You don't want to cancel their favorite session or time because then you're going to lose them probably as well. Mm. So... That would be my point of view. Yeah. I think if you, to add to that, I think, I mean, only you can sort of know, Tara, how many classes you think is too many and I guess how many people you are willing to show up for. I mean, if you're willing to show up for two or three people, that's great. But if you're not, then maybe you didn't look at moving some classes around. And that would be my suggestion. Instead of just canceling class times, Maybe you can move the class to a different time that would be more popular. And a good way to find that out is just to ask your clients what they'd want and also to look at, I guess, what other boot camps in your area, what classes they're running or times they're running classes because that'll give you an idea of what times people in your area seem to be training. Even doing like a a survey, I know I do these with my clients, so Mm -hmm. just a general survey about what they're liking in the sessions, the times, that if there's anything I can do and improve them, and that could be a couple of the questions that you add in, like what sessions times suit you, how many is too many, and things like that. A lot of time you'll get a lot of 
really good information just using a free survey monkey survey okay. that you send out to all clients. So you've got some classes going in Richmond with yep. your main location. Correct. How many classes a week run there? So I run seven sessions a uh-huh. week in Richmond. Yep. And some of them are quite busy. So my Monday morning is notoriously quiet because uh-huh. uh, people find it hard to get out of bed. So then my Monday night is normally quite large. Yep. So I guess it's really a lot of the sessions I plan could be for two or to 20 people. So. Yep. It'd be nicer if I knew exact numbers, but the reality is that people like the flexibility and that's a big thing that I can offer. And by the sound of things, Tara, that's something that she can offer as well. So you're sort of taking it away if you reduce that. But at the end of the day, I think you want as many people coming as possible. And so the more sessions you can offer that, the longer you stick at it and a good job you do, then you've got more chance of building your client's base. Uh So I think that's just part and parcel of the industry we're in that sometimes you you're not going to have many people there yeah but i think if you stick at it and you you're selling a good product that people like and you know your target audience then it will only build over time mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah so how many classes it's too many i think you'd max you'd want is probably like three or four morning options yep. and max like three or four evening options and if you're only doing mornings or only doing evenings then you're only going to run probably three or four classes yeah then once you've filled them then you can look at adding Double more slots. times or yeah, or yeah, I got up to 10 classes a week, but that was because all of my sessions ran back to back. So I did yep. two, whenever I was running a class, I was doing two in a, two two in a row. Two. Yep. So yes, yeah, so that would be, I think my advice with that. So that's like maybe a bit more of a tangible number if that's what she's looking for. Mm, I like that. Well, perfect. All right. On to uh, number two there. Question Go two. Okay. This is a short one and a big one. <laughs> This is from Tammy Oldham from, she's in Canberra, ACT. How about building a community within your business? Mm, all right. So, do you want me to go first on this one? That's a can of worms, yeah. This is, uh, <laughs> when we were planning these, this is quite challenging. And I suppose one of the big things that I'm going to talk about is that growing up and still to this day that I play cricket and football and part of that is I play it because I want to feel part of a community or part of a club. Mm-hmm. So I base my boot camp like it is a club and you'll know with a lot of sporting clubs that they might run three or four social events throughout the year, all right? They also have like a Facebook group where it's a private group where people can communicate, share ideas, talk about training and things like that. So I've tried to create a small community within my boot camp. And that means I run three to four social events each year. One of my clients, I've appointed her, and she's very happy with it, to be head of social committee. Really? Yeah. That's great. And the great thing is that she's in events and hospitality. So (laughs) majority of the events, we go to venues that she looks after. Uh Fantastic. And we're just planning our Christmas one, which we're going to go barefoot bowling. So Uh lawn bowls. So I think by having things outside of training, it is a great way for not only people to socialize, but also find a, a sort of something that they're part of. So it's it's like a team, right? Yeah. And, you, and people want to be there. They want to get to the sessions and they want to tell their friends about it. So that's how I create a community by really modeling it on things that sporting clubs do well. Mm. Yeah. What about yourself with that one, God? I like it. Mm. For me, so... I actually posted a video in our, I mentioned before, our community, which is all about this. The video is 15 minutes long, so I'm not, <laughs> not going to explain the whole thing. 
but if you do have Facebook available to you can jump on and watch that but basically the idea is I like that you use sporting like a sporting group in the community that's built there because uh, one of the things I recommend is getting your clients to make physical contact with each other whether that's they're doing a partner exercise like you know you do push-ups facing each other and you got a like low five in between or just giving each other high fives when there's like one person's maybe doing squats or something while the other person's running the person comes back they swap encourage them to give high fives don't just be like and like pull them up on it as well just like you pull up on technique pull them up on that like cool spirit you need to be like a cheerleader for your yeah, good i like for it for your campers really and what happens is when that when they start making contact with them they start getting these little dopamine hits and d- dopamine's can be addictive because <laughs> basically the reason our body produces dopamine is one of the main reasons is because as humans we've only survived because we've been tribal people so we've grown up in a society that now the, i don't know our tribes are online or it's like less face-to-face maybe you know like we've got more freelancers so we we have less of a tribe with the people we work with we change jobs often so we're getting less stuff through that and you know so you found you go back to the country, mm. you actually grew up to, to go back to your tribe. Yep. And so, to create a tribe or a community in your boot camp, yeah, humans, have, we need this on a biological level because this is how we survive. But we, in the wilderness, we died if we were by ourselves. So, it's still something which, which we need to be happy, fulfilled humans. So, yeah, creating that in your boot camp through just three actual sessions so, like, you, you've got social events as well, which is great. But I know that you also run, like, a lot of team stuff and a lot of icebreakers in yeah, your sessions. Yeah, definitely. So, you've, you know, sometimes social events can be hard to get people to go to. So, you start in your sessions when you've got them for an hour. Yeah. So, yeah. like, get them to get to know each other. Get them to get to know each other's names. Stop putting yourself as just the center of, of like, contact. Yeah, Center yeah. point of contact. However that looks to to the individual group so that that might even come down just to starting if your group doesn't really talk or things just starting with an icebreaker or mm-hmm. a name game to just start with it might take five minutes before each session just to help the new people out and things as well or or you might do a social or you know there's so many different options and i'd probably recommend trialing any of those yeah because every group's different everybody's different yeah, yeah. people learn differently people feel different about touching people feel yeah, different yeah. about going to social events so yeah. I think you've got to offer everything because then you can ta- can cater for so many different people. Yeah, I mean, and you might, you will find different groups. I know I've had trainers email me before and they're like, my group will not play games. Like no matter what, they will not, <laughs> they yeah, refuse yeah. to. So that group might bond over just doing a really, really, really hard, I was going to swear there, <laughs> really hard workout together. I mean, that's sort of what the CrossFit community is built around. It's like, so you have that shared experience of like surviving this workout and that could even be a social thing to like come like try out like survive our two hour boot camp, which you do once every three or four months or something. Yeah, it's just a one off, not as part of your training, but just as a one off thing. And that shared experience they have of like going through that together can also build community and camaraderie. And I've never thought of that. I really uh-huh. like that one. Yeah. Well, we've gone into a lot of detail there. So, well, it's a, it is a pretty big question. <laughs> it's probably the shortest written question we had today, but it was such a big one. So, hopefully, again, we've given you a little insight into that one. Now, the next one, Kyle, is, it is in two parts. Yeah, we've got a two parter. Cool. So, I'll do the first bit. We'll answer that. Okay. So, these are both from Emily Corso, who's in Portland, Oregon. Hi, Emily. <laughs> 
Uh, I know Emily from when I lived in Portland. She's a really cool chick. She's an MMA fighter. And I know she works with pretty much female clientele and helping them get stronger and more confident. Cool. So, so knowing that, like her first question here is, what are some ideas of how to talk folks, how to talk to folks about being more accountable to their training? Maybe, you know, when they're first starting out. So, like, I, I've seen from photos on hers that she does work with clients who look like they're new to fitness because she's providing a safe place for them to exercise. So, it's attracting people who've previously felt unsafe, say, going to a gym or something like that. Yep. So, her question is how do these people who are foreign to training, what are some ways to keep them accountable? And I suppose then it's all about making them feel, realize or feel that they – they can't physically go without not going to these sessions mm-hmm. and everybody will be different about that. But people, you need to get people thinking that if they miss out on the session, they're going to miss out on so much. So that's where uh, if it's creating an environment where you play games or your session's that hard that you feel that good after it or that you feel safe here, you know, and it's a supportive environment, you need to find that special niche that you offer and that people physically is like being an alcoholic or, you know, someone that's dependent on something, they physically can't go without it. Yeah. So I think that's, from my point of view, I think you need to figure out why people are coming to and why people are staying, Yeah. right? And then for anybody that's coming new, you need to make them just really feel that and become mm-hmm. part of your community so they can't go without it, you know? It becomes yeah. their one place or their safe place where they feel special or... You know, they feel really good about themselves uh-huh. and that's what you offer them that nobody else can or they can't get it at home or in their day-to-day life. So that's how I make people accountable, not by ringing up and saying, where were you or whatever, but making it so they physically don't want to miss my sessions. Uh-huh. So I know that's a bit of a tangent. I don't, no, I I don't know if that's really relates, makes sense. It relates back to, uh, to the sort of previous thing that like if that's in place that people will be more likely to come. To add to that, I had, especially in those early days, it might be useful to structure your sessions if they're just like ongoing sessions to have some sort of like two-week or 30-day challenge. And I'm not talking about like diet and stuff, just like it might just be like move every day for 30-day challenge that you get people on or that you run for your group a few times a year. And obviously, your the days your workouts are on, like that's where they should come get their yeah, movement. Yeah. But then maybe you have stuff for them to do you know, 10 minutes of movement on the other day. So it might be like today you're going to get 10 minutes of walking, you know, check in yep. in our Facebook group or check in in our WhatsApp group or whatever when you're done with that. I think that's a really, that can be really effective as well because then people are like, okay, I can do 14 days. Yeah. The idea of exercising three times a week for my the rest of, the rest of my life sounds <laughs> horrible. Daunting. But I can do 14 days in a row and that's enough to provide some momentum. Yeah, good, I like it that they then will hopefully be more inclined by themselves to keep committing. And I think the big thing you just said there was it's only 10 minutes. Yeah. Don't make it like people have to do it an hour. Yeah. yeah. Make it a really short thing or it might be like 50 squats one day or Uh I don't know, 20 sit-ups or I I don't know, something really basic Uh that they're doing it. And that way they're doing something every day. So yeah. Yeah. And I've even seen people send home like a, a month bingo session or bingo chart with on a bingo board where they've got all different 
So one day you might have to do 30 minutes exercise. Another day you might have to drink two and a half liters of water or little things like this. And there might be 30 on there that when you do it, you cross it off. Yeah. So that way you're always thinking about exercise and you may only do little things or you may have more time. So you may be able to do the more advanced ones and you can have some sort of prize at the end or something like that. So Mm -hmm. again, I like making things into games (laughs) or challenges as you can probably hear from everything I talk about. So some people may like... That's exactly another what way you said. to build accountability. Yep. Like if you make it fun, exactly gamify right. it so that then they're like, they're doing it just because it's like, it's fun. It's not because there's like something they have to do. Yeah. Or, yeah. They forget what they're doing and it's, oh, I want to, I want to be part of that or, you know, I want to uh-huh. win. People like to win, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'd like making things a game. So that could be another one. Nice. All right. And then second part to that one. Cool. Yeah. She wrote. I already asked about getting better attendance, but I'm also struggling with the opposite problem, limiting class size. I run nine boot camps a week right now, and my evening classes are almost too big for the space I'm in, while the mornings are very small. I'm considering getting registration software, and she's right, uh, so I'm guessing she doesn't want to get registration software, (laughs) or have to manage that, or opening up more classes slightly later in the a.m. because she has more space in in the mornings than the evenings. And she doesn't want to work past seven in the evening, which is fine. To temptate a few evening clients to come at a, like a later morning time. She says, I'm also thinking about varying the class type. So maybe like weights, one time body weight, boxing to make better use of the space resources. Any thoughts on that stuff? Yep. She goes on, I share part of the gym with other classes at so some times of the day. I have access to all of it, while other times I only have a, a small space. All right. So, in. what I would do there is obviously your night sessions are going really well. So, I wouldn't worry about changing those at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd let them go. But what you're saying about changing the way you structure sessions. So, in the morning, I would have it. So, I would split it up. So, one day would be circuit. One day would be boxing. And another would be games. And I'd, I'd publicize this to everybody. All right, and I'd get people to do a survey before and after and maybe do a maybe a two-month trial. So after that two months, you'll see if the different structured sessions work, which ones they like best, and then you'll get a clear idea of what works best for your clientele. All right, so you might realize that morning people like a different type of session better than the evening people or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So by trialing something for two months, you'll get a clear indication of this. And I would I'd be writing down the results, how many people come. I'd do a survey before and after, and then just asking people what they really liked. Normally, they'll be really honest, and you'll be able to use that information to then go about how you run those sessions, or if you do make them later, or whatever. So that'd be my way of doing it. I'd I'd trial what you want to do with your varied sessions, the circuit, the boxing, the games, whatever you want to do, but I'd only do that for one of them to see what works best. And if it works really well, then you can implement it into the evening sessions, but I'd just be trialing that for a two-month period, and maybe that will help with your low numbers in the AM. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... I don't have much to add to that other than just testing things and seeing what's working. And booking software doesn't have to be daunting either, but it can be a really useful tool for knowing how many people are coming and getting committed. Because how easy it is in the morning to like your alarm goes off and you just roll over and like 
turn it off. Yeah. There's no accountability. But if you actually booked into a class, it becomes so much like you, you're accountable, like you've, you're expected then. So it can be, yeah, that can be a useful tool for accountability, which was your previous question and and having more people in that morning time slot. Yeah, but I, I think before you invested the money in some software or anything like that, I'd simply just try exactly what you mentioned in your response about yeah mixing up uh the different sessions you offer and and do it as a trial mm-hmm. so okay. hopefully that helped we're cruising along here so that that ding that we just had on facebook was another question coming in so maybe if we have time we'll, we'll get to that one too okay okay question four three-parter three three questions bang. from lisa Britt in newstead also victoria now, just a little shout out to Lisa. She's obviously a very uh, smart lady. She's gone to the University of Ballarat, where I went to to do my PE degree. So, looking forward to hearing what Lisa's uh, questions are. No, you're looking to think we're like stalking. Yes, we know everything. About you. Okay, so first part. I'm starting a new group fitness business. Kickoff is just over a week away, so that'll probably be like a week ago <laughs> by the time this comes out. Getting nervous about those first few weeks, will anyone show up? I've had a fair bit of interest and I've been running an informal session for friends for the last 12 months that has had good attendance. I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself for that first session though, as it's a different time slot, 9.30, to cater for mum's after school drop-off. Any advice to ease my nerves for those first few weeks? I'll start with this one. And firstly, congratulations. I think it's a great idea. You've got uh, mothers already all at school dropping the kids off. So before they go home or get on with their day, I think it's a perfect time slot to get them all going together and then they're accountable. They've got no excuses. So I think you're already on to a, a winner. In regards to your nerves, I think that's great that you're nervous about it because it means you actually care about what you're going to provide, Lisa. And you just got to remember as well that if you're nervous, I'm sure your clients are going to be nervous as well. So the most important thing whenever you're starting anything out and people are nervous is to make it fun and make people feel comfortable. So my biggest bit of advice is your first few sessions, you want people to feel comfortable around each other, around you. So by making it fun and engaging, that, that'll be your biggest point of call. So people will come back if they are having fun. So I would put aside probably 10, 15 minutes of each session for your first week and do name games and icebreakers. I know you can go on the internet and there are so many out there and you'll be able to really build a great community and also ease everybody's nerves with those activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a question for Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be interesting. So, so she mentioned in her question that she'd been running this class for her friends for 12 months, but now she was changing to a different time to cater to mums. Great. But part of me is like, are you still going to run that session for your friends? Because if that's been going great, girl, it's like, why change it? You know? yep. Just move to a paid system where you know, you're charging for those sessions. But yeah, if that's, that sounds like a short thing. So yeah, I would I would just say I hope she's still running those sessions, and if she's she's stopping that, I think she should look at maybe adding a couple of times at that time as well. Yep, because that's going to be an established class, and obviously a time when people are happy to train. Yeah, that's good, good, um, uh, and maybe yeah, and just if that class has been going well, then you know you're onto something good, and you can really use that same model with your new class once you get everyone feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. 
And about the nerves, uh, fear is a, it's a thing, uh, but fear is also really interesting because fear is energy and, and you can use that. You can harness that fear rather than like resisting it. So a lot of the anxiety and stuff that comes from doing scary things is it comes from our resistance to it or our attempt to overcome it or, or our attempt to be fearless or like you hear a lot about this stuff about like, you know, overcoming and I mean, Nike had like the just do it ad and stuff like that. This is, this is terrible advice to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is not how you deal with fear. Okay. Fear is useful. Fear is there. It keeps us alive. Fear has probably saved your life at some point, you know, in your life, you've done something and you've fears said, nah, that's not a good idea. And you'd be like, yep, you know what? I agree with you right there. <laughs> so that's all that's happening right now is your fear is trying to keep you safe because we talked earlier about tribes doing things that make us feel like we stand out is an opportunity for the tribe to, to ostracize us, to, to yep. kick us out, which is then unhealthy. So that's where, that's what that fear mechanism is. That's key. And we usually experience this in school. So we begin to, all of us, that's why public speaking is like, the thing people are most more terrified of than death is always that favorite, famous <laughs> thing they talk about. It's like the number one fear is not death, it's public speaking. It's because we don't want to stand out. So understand that and all you have to do is be like, hey, fear, what's going on? And like, I appreciate that, you know, you're looking out for me right now. You're trying to keep me safe, but, you know, it's cool. I'm going to run a group fitness session. Yeah. Everything's going to be okay. And like, even dominate. if no one comes, like... The world's not going to end. I'm not going to die. No one's going to die. So I'm just, I'm going to go do this. Okay. And, and have that fear, you know, come with you, acknowledge it, but don't resist it. Don't fight it. Cause that's when you're going to, that's just going to make it worse. That's just going to make you more anxious. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. That's good. I like that one. <laughs> really like that one. A little di- different approach. It is a different one, but yeah, I, I think uh, it's only, I think I still get nervous when even I get new clients come, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, like, so it's never going to go away in this business because yeah. oh. it's always going to be there. I was totally nervous the other week when I started back at boot camp. I yeah. was like, the night before, I was like having a freak out. And I was yeah. like, so he had to like talk me down. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're not going to, because they've been working with another trainer and, and they'd all been telling me about how hard these sessions are being. Like, oh, my sessions aren't going to be hard enough. They're going to be like, Carl's lost his touch, like yeah. with all this pressure on me, putting on myself, and uh, and of course it was fine. It was fine. It always is, but I think it's a good thing to have. Uh-huh. I think you need that. This next one, number five. What have we got? Oh, not well, Lisa's got two more questions. Well, sorry, Lisa. I'd... Which I think it would be pretty quick. Okay. So her next one is the. These are more sort of practical stuff. I'll be doing a boxing class as well. If I need to pad up. What do you recommend for timing rounds? Hands will be awkward to be mucking around with apps on phone timing. Thinking just an old school big clock with a second hand, what would you use? And I, we've, I've mentioned this before on uh, on a couple of episodes, I think, that I would definitely not ever stand there using my phone to time. I just don't think it looks good having your phone in front of you. So I would get an iPad. I'm sure you can buy a secondhand one or you might even have one. I'd get an interval timer, which there are hundreds of them for free. And on there, I'd set up all the different timings that you're going to use in your session. And that way, clients can see how long they've got to go. And instead of looking at a, your phone or a clock or anything like that, you can really focus on the boxing, encouragement, technique, uh-huh. everything like that. So I would recommend everybody getting an iPad, 
using an interval timer because I think it looks professional. And instead of being a, a counter, which people aren't paying us to do, that's done for you. So And like a Bluetooth speaker. Bluetooth kind of speaker, yeah. if you're able to play music. I know you used to say that when you're outside that you didn't play music. Yeah. Yep, but you can even still have the interval timer hooked up through that. Uh-huh. And again, you can get one of those very cheap these days. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's a really important investment. Yes. De- definitely, yeah. I like that. So her other question was Matt's. Yep, so that, Matt's. That question? Yep, Matt's for doing... Okay, yes. So, so ex- yeah, like exercise mats. This time of year, I'll be using netball tennis courts. And then in summer, I will use the oval when the grass recovers from footy season. I thought I would get clients to bring their own mats that is then thought i when i have a few stations or areas needing mats i should supply so people don't have to share their own any thoughts yep old for particularly australian listeners we've got a fantastic well, i suppose it'd be the same all over the world kmart's all over the world isn't it they are in the US, but yeah. it is a different company, well, I'm but sure, it's a I'm similar sure. thing. Yeah, Target, Kmart. You can go grocery shopping at Kmart Do you? Okay, well... well it, but it's like a store. Well, they might still have mats. Yeah, because they've got okay. all that stuff. You can buy a TV there. Like, it's got that stuff, but then it's got groceries well. as well. It's, okay. It's nuts. Well, I'm, I'm just going to go with what I know, but I go to Kmart, and you can buy a yoga mat there for $10, and then you find that they're really large, so if you cut them in half, you get the perfect size mat for sit-ups, for push-ups, for any body weight activity. So mm-hmm. for $5, you're basically getting a mat. So if you go and buy five of these mats, it's $50, yeah. and you get 10 little mats, that's a really small investment for making so people don't have to bring their own. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is I think you should provide everything. Yeah. Um, I, some of my clients bring their own boxing gloves and everything like that. But that is their own choice. Everything is provided. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd go and buy those and, and they are dirt cheap. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I use those mats as well. <laughs> Everyone uh, does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've tossed up back and forth because I do know of boot camps where they get clients to bring dumbbells or weights and that's just the condition they use. In some places, you know, get them to even bring a kettlebell or something like that. Okay. And then the idea is you kind of upscale your kettlebells you go up but yeah i I think it's it's best you just to offer more of a premium service where you supply everything that your clients need and i I reckon if you start off like that so that's just the service you offer i think that's exactly what you need to do yeah 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 so again and we spoke about this before invest in yourself so invest Mm -hmm. in equipment i think it's really important for a startup okay question five Question five. Number cool. one about, about the ground. Good. This is from Pat Carr from Cronulla, New South Wales. Pat asks, how do you deal with cold but particularly wet mornings? I'm not sure if that's going to be cold and particularly wet. Cold mornings and wet mornings. Um, yeah. Any exercises where you require clients to get down the ground onto wet grass? So, like, basically, how do you deal with that? Okay. I just wouldn't have clients getting down on the grass if it was wet. Mm-hmm. Or again, if you really needed to use that, I'd find, I'm sure there's some concrete around or something like that, and I'd put a mat down on the concrete. Yeah. So they're not physically touching the ground. But I would definitely steer clear of making clients ever get wet. It's something that I just, well, I, I, don't, off, I don't offer that. And there's normally alternatives, exercise or movements that they can do 
where they don't need to touch the ground. I, I don't know if if you're one of those ones, Cole. That yeah, no, we, we I would use mats, which is hikes. The mats do get wet, yeah. So then you're praying for a sunny day to dry them out. To dry them out. But I know Pat's in New South Wales, there where the weather's a bit nicer than it is down here in Victoria. The other thing, yeah, we I just. My pool of exercises is limited during winter. Winter, we tend to focus on, which is good anyway, because big movements, we tend to focus more on our legs yeah. and on running during winter Correct. because we can do all that stuff standing and we do less. If we do upper body stuff, it's with weights. I'll bring weights. The other thing, oh yeah, so we even had like, I refer to burpees as summer burpees and winter burpees okay so summer burpees are like your full burpee drop all the way to the deck so i call them a burpee yeah Yeah, so that's like a regular burpee and then a winter burpee you just sort of kick your legs out back in and jump again yeah i call that a squat thruster ah okay because i call a squat thrust when you don't jump ah so you're still jumping okay well there you go yeah a few different uh, options for everybody there. <laughs> no, no. Hopefully, we can confuse you. This is why I have got exercises on my site. <laughs> I mean, like videos on my site because because you always find like one trainer will be like, "Oh, I have this thing." Like, I don't know what that is, and then mm. they describe it to you, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, I call it such and such." Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, Hopefully, that answers that. Then I think yeah, what I think a, that answers Pat's question. We've got one to go. One Five. to go. Lucky last. So this one's from Catherine Shockett in Vail, Arizona. Hello, Catherine. So, Catherine says, I've been stuck at 11 members, the same people, for months and would really like to get to 25 by the end of the year. What should I do to achieve my goal? Alrighty. This is a this is a great question because I know a lot of people that I speak to, you sort of plateau with members and sometimes you, you sort of get stuck when you want to build. So, what I would do, and this is what I've done myself previously, is that I've looked at where probably the previous two months where I've got all my leads and all my clients from. And a lot of time I don't include word of mouth there because I think word of mouth is just something that comes because you're doing a good job. So I wouldn't put that as pay leads, but if you're advertising through flyers, mail drops, radio, Facebook, Google ads, whatever it is, go back and see previously where you're getting the most clients. And then for the next two months, I would just focus solely on your number one lead generator. All right? mm-hmm. and I, I would double the, the amount of money you're spending or just take away the money from all the other places and invest it in there. Mm-hmm. And if you're not investing money back in advertising yourself, then I would definitely at least do it for two months and see what the results are. Mm-hmm. All right? So the only way you're going to get clients is by Word of mouth, as I said, is fantastic, but it doesn't always bring in the big leads, uh-huh. all right? People will be looking on Facebook or they'll be looking, searching you on Google. Mm-hmm. So, you need to invest money, invest in yourself. And I would recommend if you want to get well, over double your client base in three months, I would double the amount of money you're spending on advertising for the next two or three months to see if it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that was... Yeah, pretty much my advice. I know Catherine, I know Catherine's been running her bootcamp. It's probably been about nine months-ish, I think, at this stage with her mum. She focuses on mums. And, yeah, I'd say, yeah, where are they coming? Where have they come from? Obviously, if you've got the same clients, Catherine's still, that's awesome. And that's a really good achievement. Great effort, isn't it? Yeah. And you're, you're doing the right things in your sessions. You're obviously doing the right things following up, things like that. But just need to find... 
some different places to to get in front of mums. Which, knowing that it's mums as well, you can also add stuff like I don't know if we, if in the US you guys have mothers groups, so that's like postnatal women, local government council here organizes groups to get together. They usually meet somewhere. Um, coffee shops. I know in Australia, <laughs> in Melbourne particularly, coffee uh-huh. shops are huge. So you could go to your local ones and offer yeah. a special deal or... Yeah. And, uh, and Catherine also just like chat to mums, like when you just see one on the street, like <laughs> be that be that friendly person who just chats to them and what you do is naturally going to come up. And that's another way you can get people to come along because then they know you as well. So it's not like some strangers boot camp they're going to, but they then you know, are like, oh yeah, well, she seems really nice and I have been wanting to get fit again, you know, post baby and yeah, so that's what they I can, recommend. Yeah, they can relate to you and they can put a face to a name. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's better than a Google search because everybody looks the same and, yeah. you know, oh, that name sounds good or that's a good logo or a good website. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they actually know, oh, that was Catherine, right? She was so friendly when she came up and approached me. She wasn't yeah. pushy, da-da-da, yeah. bang, there's a client for you straight up. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I think, uh, did, you, did we have one more call or... Well, do you want to do a bonus question? Because like I said, one Bonus question on the spot. Let's go. Feed it it to me. I'm ready to go. But I think you're going to love this one. All right. Bang. Get me. Uh, So, this one's from Kirsten Campbell, who's based in Auckland, New Zealand. Oh, actually, you you might not be in Auckland, Kirsten. I know you are in Auckland. Okay. Uh, I knew it was New Zealand, but I wasn't sure if it was in the capital or not. Question. I have some really competitive campers and others who hired from competition, including the cool, fun games. That's actually what she used to describe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How to have both happy and motivated without fights, frustration, feeling useless, or people storming off? Fantastic question. And I get this as well. And I think that's where, if you're planning your sessions, you need to make it so everybody is getting something out of it. And I guess that's why sometimes you spend more time planning your sessions than you actually do run them. Uh So, and again, I know you've spoken about this, Kyle, but having groups. So have a session, but then have sessions within your session. So some groups are simply just working through to complete some reps. Whereas other ones are your more advanced ones that love competition or whatever. Uh They may be recording how many times they complete a certain number of reps or in a certain time or an AMRAP or or a challenge or, you know, get as many rounds done and then they record that or they're competing with somebody, right? And then when you do like that workout again, they've got a score to beat. So they're not competing against others. They're competing with their own score and they're trying to beat that again, Mm -hmm. right? So that'll tick them off and that'll make it so they're getting something out of it. They're getting competitive. They're seeing results. Mm -hmm. Whereas the ones that aren't into that and they they don't want a bar of that, they're also getting something out of the session, but you're not recording it. They they don't know if they're improving or not. Simply by probably them coming to your sessions, that's them improving. Mm-hmm. So I think that's particularly if you if you've got people that love the games and people that don't, your session planning needs to be done really well, and you need to make sure you cater for both sort of groups. Yep, that's how that's how I would do it. Mm-hmm. I also know that yeah, if you get some people who are, can be kind of unsportsmanlike, it can ruin a game. If you've got those people, yeah. those flipping fit clients who are like always <laughs> winning, like have this one client, she's 
we play peg tag, yeah. which is, you, you know, where everyone's got like pegs, pegs. on their clothing and you got to grab more or vice versa. You like peg them. And she's just like, she's like always bragging about how she's the best at peg tag. <laughs> and so what, what I do with clients like that is um, rather than, because the, the clients who maybe aren't as fit, who aren't as good, they're already feeling a bit left out. And I think our temptation can sometimes be to like focus on them. But what I do instead is I focus on the fit person and I handicap them. So I'll make them start with extra pegs or I'll, you know, do, cause they're already, they're the fit ones. They're the, the ones who are having fun. So you can sort of throw extra challenges, make them do a burpee between each thing, like throw extra yeah. challenges at them that it's going to level the playing field a bit more. Yep. And that's going to make the less fit people, less coordinate people feel more included. The other one is, yeah, games where people, I guess, work in like pairs yeah. or small teams where even if they lose, they can they still feel part of a team yeah. and they still get that rush from being part of a team. Oh, I yeah, I like that. And sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I think games, there are a lot of games or challenges out there that they're, you, you're not getting a winner or loser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not always about winning or losing. And I think mm. having some form of game or teamwork in your sessions is really important. Uh-huh. So... I think you need to find a way to make it so everybody enjoys that. Yeah. So, one that I got yeah. uh, the, the other week that, that I'm thinking of right now as you say that, it's uh, it's actually a game I got off of Leon and it's called Point Collector and you get your team in pairs and you spread out all these cones all over like your training area. Uh, I like to use different colors and then in pairs, they have to hold hands facing each other and then they have to run sideways and you might be like collect 20 points and they have to run over, like so their hands go over the cones. Uh-huh. So, they're running around sideways everywhere. And it's just such a ridiculously goofy game because yeah, everyone's yeah. running. Like no one cares who wins because everyone's running sideways. Um, and you can do things like collect five blue cones. Yep. Right. But there's only like three blue cones out there. So, if you're lucky to go over one spot and they're like... It's like five groups going for one set of cones at once. And it just, uh, that's good. It just, it's just goofy. And if it's done with like the right attitude, it's just like lighthearted. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you could, this is an opportunity then to p- maybe pair up those really competitive people, pair them up with someone who doesn't win as often yep. or someone who doesn't get into the games because sometimes it can be infectious being with someone who is really enthusiastic. 100%. And yeah. they'll make them more of a leader as well. And I think we spoke about this again, but when you're planning a session, you want that, you don't want that to be your entire session. So yeah. that might be a quarter of what you oh, do. That's like a f- little five minute. Correct. The so then everybody's, yeah. the, the competitive people are still getting that. They make other people feel part of it. Uh-huh. But then you have uh, something else. And then you go, yeah, then you go into your main workout Correct. where it's yeah. like, so yeah. even if people don't like a competitive game, if that's only one third of your session, they'll probably like the other two parts of it. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to, Still, you can't just cut it out altogether, but you need to find ways to make it work. And only you'll know your group best, but there are so many different ways you can go about it to still incorporate that and make it so everybody's having fun and still getting a good workout. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, before we wrap up, thank you very much for all the questions. I know we're up to episode 13. This is flying along, Kyle. And if you do have other questions, you can inbox us, all right? Yeah, Right and below these show notes on episode 13. Yeah. And if we get enough, then, yeah, we'll, we'll do one probably sooner rather than later. So, yeah, yeah, we didn't answer any of those. Any feedback, as usual, we'd love to hear because we're talking to a computer at the moment. We're not actually <laughs> talking to people's faces. We're looking at each yeah. other when we're doing this. So, if it is helping you, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. 
Uh-huh. Yes, agreed. Done. Thanks, guys. Um, see you guys. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for listening. If you uh, really like our episode, you can uh, leave feedback and check out our show notes. Yeah, you can find the show notes to all our episodes at trainerstribe.com forward slash podcasts. Uh, and if you're feeling generous or you'd really like to let us know how you're feeling, go to iTunes and leave a really nice review for Kyle and myself. Yeah, or if you want to help us spread the word and get more trainers you know, putting some of this awesome stuff into action and helping to improve our industry, uh, just email this onto someone else or forward it or tell them about the show. We'd really appreciate it. It's really helpful. I've been uh, Dale Sidebottom. I've been Kyle Wood. <laughs>